You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, I want to welcome you to part two of our series, Discipleship 101. And tonight we are going to be talking about several topics, creation, Lucifer, man, and sin. So what we're doing is, you know, this, it's Discipleship 101. So it's like kind of being in the classroom and learning some foundational things. Now, I want to encourage you in this, especially those of you who have been walking with the Lord for a while, and you could say, Paul, I've heard this preached many, many times. And I agree. I have heard it preached many, many times, and I have preached it many, many times. But the scripture is very clear. It gives us a mandate to teach and disciple people. Now, a couple of things. It's always good to have your memory refreshed. And there's nothing wrong with eating green beans more than one time. Hello. And so, well, I've eaten green beans before. Well, I've eaten them again and again and again and again. Because it just does you good each time you receive it. But also, I want to encourage you, especially those of you who've been you know, maybe Christians for 20 plus years, like me, there's a lot of younger Christians who haven't gotten this. And just remind yourself of the very first time you heard some of these concepts being taught and how eye-opening it was for you and how awesome it was for you. Well, that's what is happening for them when they hear this information for the very first time. So that's what the body of Christ is all about. We support one another. We encourage one another. And uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, give you some good information tonight. So we're going to be covering creation loose for man and sin. The Bible opens up with a very important statement. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, what? Help me. God. God. Now, for any human being opening up the Bible for the very first time, and you've never looked at the Bible in your entire life, and you open up the Bible, and I don't know about you, but when I open a book, I start at the beginning. I don't start in the back, I start in the front. So when I open up the Bible, and the very first words I read are in the beginning, God. That's vitally important. Absolutely vitally important. Because it doesn't say in the beginning, evolution, by random selection, over a period of millions and billions of years, like so many people have been taught since the 1950s. And the reason that it's important is because it reveals to us that life did not evolve that way. God was in the beginning, and God is the creator over all that we see. So Genesis reveals God, this divine creator of all things, brilliant. I mean, I'm talking a brilliant, supreme, all-powerful, all-knowing God who created everything that we see. Now, because of that, The devil, the enemy of God, has a very special hatred for the book of Genesis because not only does it reveal God, but it also reveals Satan as the enemy of God and the enemy of man. In other words, the book of Genesis exposes Satan as God's enemy and as our enemy. And that's why the book of Genesis has come under more attack than any other book in the entire Bible. And we clearly see The theory, and I want to say that, theory of evolution, not fact, theory, because theory is not a fact, it's a theory. 
And we teach as if it is truth. So I think every teacher, when they get up, if they're going to teach evolution, ought to say, I am going to tell you about the theory of evolution. Not that it's a fact, it's just merely a theory, because it cannot be proven. So our enemy, the devil, wants us to believe that you and I are just here by random selection over a process of millions and billions of years. I mean, most scientists don't even agree on the amount of time that is required for something to evolve to such a complex state as man is at this point. And because people have accepted the theory of evolution, because many people believe the theory of evolution, as a matter of fact, I've met lots of Christian people that believe in the theory of evolution, and they even try to merge the creation story with evolution, and they call it creative evolution, which simply will not work. And I don't have time to teach all of that and cover um, all of that, but it, trust me, it won't work, and you, you can look it up and study it for yourself. But our enemy, the devil, wants us to believe that we're here by random chance mutation. There's nothing special about mankind. There's really nothing different between us and everything else that evolved. Animals, reptiles, aquatic life, plants, vegetables, trees, fruit. Everything is a process of evolution. We're all just a result of this cosmic goo that evolved over long periods of time and then ultimately turned into complex, very incredibly complex organisms. And now here we are. Now because of this church, that is why today we have people assigning the same value to animals as they do people. I was just reading a recent study on the internet and it was talking about, you know, I don't know if y'all have ever read some of the stories about and some of you guys may have had this in school. It's like, it's like moral decision-making classes where they say, you know, if there was a person on a railroad track and the train was coming and, you know, there were a dozen people over here and if you as an individual sacrificed this one person to save this person, y'all know those scenarios, you know, kind of the, like the bridge story that some of us have heard growing up. So the question was, if you had a puppy in a burning building and you had a baby in a burning building, which one would you save? And they gave different scenarios, like if you had a foreigner in a burning building and your very most important loving pet puppy in a burning building, which one would you save? And they did this scenario with people and, and uh, you know, they do these studies. And it was very interesting to see that 40% of people in our current day and time said that they would save the puppy over a human baby. But when you've been taught the theory of evolution, that you're not God's prized possession, that you're just here by random selection and you're no different from any other complex-celled organism, then obviously you would see why that you would come up with this understanding. And that's why we have people today marrying their animals. And I don't know if you all know that, but we have people today marrying their dogs. And they have a romantic affair, love affair, with their animals. And they legally, in certain places, not here in Arkansas, fortunately, even though they make fun of us all the time, but you can't do that here. 
but they place equal or higher value on animals than they do humans. But when you remove a creator who reveals to us that we are his prized possessions, then you're left to fill in the blanks. And because we have an enemy who is very manipulative and deceptive, he comes in and he perverts the darkened mind of fallen man and he convinces us to believe what the Bible literally calls doctrines of demons. And the theory of evolution is one of the biggest doctrines of demons that has ever been propagated throughout the human race in the entire world. So our enemy, the devil, manipulates the darkened minds of people to believe us. And the Bible shows us this. Go with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans is such a great book. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 18 through 22 together. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became, watch this, futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, but does this not just describe our current culture? I mean, this was written a couple of thousand years ago, and it was like somebody wrote it today describing our culture right now. That's why I love the Bible. It's so relevant. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, and reptiles. Well, you may say, well, Paul, I don't have, you know, I don't have a statue of a bird or an animal or or some idol out in my yard today like they did back in the Old Testament times. No, but, you know, we, we still, I, I can think lots of cars named after birds and animals and reptiles, can't you? And a lot of people idolize those things and worship them like they were a god. And so it's real easy for us to understand how people replace God with idols because of their darkened mind. So this is why people are so confused today. They believe that it's more important to save trees and aquatic life than it is to save a human life because they never read the Bible in the beginning. Help me, God. And so we pass laws protecting endangered turtles, but we allow the killing of human life in the womb. A turtle in an egg is a baby turtle, but a human in a womb is not a baby human. It's incredible. But the Bible says very clearly, professing to be wise, they become fools, and their hearts are darkened. Does that not describe that scenario perfectly? Now, I'm not saying that protecting turtles is not a noble cause. I think we have a responsibility as managers and keepers of the world 
to do the best that we can with what we have been given responsibility over. So I'm not dissing turtles tonight, and I'm not against pets. So don't get PETA calling me. I'm not against any of that. I'm for them all. I have three. I actually have four pets at my house. I wish I didn't have that many. Um, And I'm praying for a swift transition for a couple of them. Um, but, But humans were created in the image of God, not trees, not animals, not aquatic life. The Bible does not say that animals and trees and aquatic life were created in the image of God. It says man, man and woman were created in the image of God. So Genesis, creation answers the deep questions of the soul. Such an important book for us all. I love the fact that Genesis answers these profound questions that people ask all the time. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going after I die? Well, if you were to adhere to the theory of evolution, who am I? Well, you're just a deluxe edition of an ape. That's basically all you are. You're just a little bit higher than the gorillas that live out in the mist, right? Why am I here? Well, you're here to satisfy your bodily functions and your bodily desires. So you might as well live it up while you can and enjoy it while you can because you're not going to last long. Well, where am I going when I die? Well, evolution says you'll be annihilated. How's that for a great answer to life? But see, when you look at creation and you understand the creation story, who am I? I'm God's child. Why am I here? Because God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for my life. Where am I going after I die? You're going to be with God in eternity forever. And then ultimately you will rule and reign on the new heaven and the new earth. How's that for an answer? Come on, how's that for an answer? Come on, how's that for an answer? Yeah. So Lucifer has been deceiving people. Lucifer. I want to talk a little bit about the devil tonight. Our enemy. He's revealed in the book of Genesis. We see that Lucifer is a master of disguise. As a matter of fact, when he comes into the garden, his first entrance is he, you know, and he walks in with this serpent costume on. And he is able to deceive Adam and Eve. And we read through the scripture, the devil has been a serpent, false prophet, a wolf in sheep's clothing, even, even an angel of light. And there's a reason that he can appear as an angel of light, because he was an angel of light. As a matter of fact, the name Lucifer in Hebrew is translated Hallel, Hallel, H-E-L-E-L, and that name meant brightness, brightness. Go to Isaiah chapter 14 with me. Let, let's just look at a couple of scriptures together. Isaiah chapter 14, if you've got your Bible app or your Bible, we're going to look at a few scripture here together. Isaiah 14, we're going to start with verse 12. This is talking about Lucifer. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. 
Now listen to this. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the heights of Savan. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Now, the only thing that Lucifer didn't understand is that God is the HHH. He's the head honcho of heaven. You can't go any higher than God. And so he's trying to go higher than what God is, and you can't go higher than God. And so Lucifer is just another name for Satan or the devil who is the head of the evil world system, and that system is real, though it's invisible. He is the power behind the ancient rulers like Tyre and Sidon and Babylon and Greece and Rome and all these other evil world empires that have come and gone throughout the history of the world. This passage goes beyond human history, and it marks the beginning of sin in the universe and the very fall of Satan from the the pristine beginning of the universe in heaven with God. This reveals this to us. As a matter of fact, Lucifer was a worship leader in heaven. Some of you probably have read that or you have heard that Lucifer was a worship leader in heaven. We also see about more about Lucifer's origin in the book of Ezekiel. Go to the book of Ezekiel with me. Look at um, chapter 28. Really interesting. It, get, it really gives a detailed description for us. If you ever want to know what the devil looked like, the book of Ezekiel actually gives us a detailed description. Now, you know, we have the movies and we have all different kinds of renderings of what the devil looks like. And, but we actually get to see a description of him in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 19. So just follow along with me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Mortal, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were a signet of perfection. Now we're talking about Lucifer. Every precious stone, I mean, you were a signet of perfection, full of wisdom. Did y'all hear that? The devil's not dumb. As a matter of fact, for you to be diabolically evil, you have to be wise. His wisdom is what makes him so diabolically evil. So he's very wise. The devil's not dumb. I've heard people say, the devil's dumb. No, the devil's not dumb. The devil is incredibly intelligent. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Carnelian, chrysolite, moonstone, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald. Just imagine that. These are all set within his being. They're all part of who he is. So he's got all these stones in him. And worked in gold were your settings and your engravings. So the devil's got gold and there's engravings like tattoos in gold over him with with these costly stones within him. And on the day that you were created, they were prepared... With an anointed cherub as guardian, I placed you, so he was an an anointed cherub placed by God, until iniquity was found in you. And in the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and the guardian cherub drove you out from among the stones of fire. So we can read over in Isaiah 
where it says that the devil was cast out of heaven like a lightning bolt. Now, that's a punt, folks. I'm talking, that's a punt. God said, no, I'm done. Poof. And to the earth he came. And so I cast you out from the mountain of God. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. Now, here's where the pride comes in. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought out fire from within you, and it consumed you. So the devil has now been, his appearance has now been changed. Because God smote him for his sin. And I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. And all who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have, become to, you have come to a dreadful end and shall, no more, shall be no more forever. So we see that the Bible says that Lucifer was expelled from God's presence and he came to the earth. And that is where we see the introduction of the serpent in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And so Lucifer brought about this corruption in man's heart. And we've all read the story in chapter 3 about the devil coming to Adam and Eve and tempting them to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And God said, don't eat of that tree. And, the, and you know, we don't, we're not going to go into all that, but that tree represented a choice because love is voluntary and God's not going to make anybody love him. He's not going to put your arm behind your back and twist it and say, say, say you love me. Or point a gun at you and say you love me. Because even if you did say you loved him, you wouldn't mean it. Because love is voluntary. You can't force it. And so God put a tree in the middle of the garden to represent a choice. Now there were probably hundreds of other trees. There's over 2,400 fruit-bearing trees in the world today. So there were lots of trees in the garden. I don't know if there were that many. But you, we could probably just assume there were at least a couple dozen anyway. And so they had a choice set before them. And they chose wrong, the devil corrupted their thinking, and he brought about the corruption of man's heart and brought sin and corruption into the perfect environment of the garden where God was. Well, God is holy. Man became unholy. Unholy man can't be in the presence of a holy God. And because if your heart is corrupt, then you'll corrupt everything around you, Right? That's what the Bible says, a little leaven, well what? It'll leaven the whole lump. A little bit of yeast in bread will work its way through the whole batch of dough, and the whole batch of dough will be agitated and rise, so that it just works its way in. And that's what this corruption did. That's what happened in the garden when the heart of man encountered the enemy. So the devil has been rejected by God because of his pride. He tried to exalt himself above God and try to become God on his own. And you have to understand, you know, I've heard, you know, we've seen some really weird movies made about angels and stuff. And, you know, angels can be forgiven. But you have to understand, church, angels can never be forgiven. There is no forgiveness for angels. There's only forgiveness for people. And the reason that there is no forgiveness for angels is because angels were in the very presence of God himself. They see God face to face. We don't see God face to face. We, we see God by faith. 
We look through a mirror, a dim mirror. We don't see God face to face. So there's grace for us. There's mercy for us. But for angels, there's nothing to repent of because they've been in the very presence of God. And that is why when Lucifer sinned, and the Bible says a third of the stars of heaven fell with him, so a third of the angels of heaven rebelled with Lucifer and went with him, but there are two-thirds righteous. Because angels have free will just like humans have free will. So the devil was rejected by God. He's on earth. He's pouting. Pouting. God. Who does he think he is? God. I mean, you know, and he's walking around, and he's angry, and he's fuming, and he's spewing, and he's revengeful, and he's full of unforgiveness, and, and I'm going to get him. I'm going to get God. I'm going to get him. I'm going to pay him back. The only problem is you can't get God. God's not gettable. He's God. But the devil says, ah, I know. I know how I can get him. I know how I can hurt him. I'll go after the thing that he loves the most. Man. And so the devil came into the garden and he corrupted man's heart and he turned man's heart against God. Now, if you're a parent, you can understand this. We all see this. So the devil's been rejected. And he goes after God's creation, man. Now, man was created in God's image. Man was like God. He was morally perfect. The Bible says Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment. They were created in God's image to be like God. And man was morally perfect. Man was given authority over all the earth. He was given dominion. He was told to take authority, take dominion, multiply, subdue the earth. So God gave man authority over this planet. So man is in charge here. God's in charge there. Come on. Man's in charge here. That's why there's no sin or things going wrong in heaven because God's in charge there. But the reason there's sin and problems going on here is because we're in charge and we make mistakes. And when mistakes happen, like evil people flying airplanes into buildings and killing thousands of innocent people, God gets blamed, but it wasn't God's fault because God put us in charge. Here. We're in charge. Now, if we want God to interfere in what's going to happen here, we pray and we give Him permission, but He put us in charge. He's not in charge here. We're in charge here. That's why we have to understand who we are in Christ. We're king's kids, amen? And so that's why we have to do our job and understand what we're called to do. Well, man was deceived, he sinned, and as a result, man lost his original birthright. He lost his original image of perfection, and he came under a curse of sin. And this is what the Bible calls the fall of man. Y'all have heard that. The fall of man, or you've heard the term the carnal man. So man came under the curse of sin. Man became a slave to his sin nature. And that's why we find ourselves going, Ah, why did I do that? I didn't mean to do that. Oop, why did I say that? I didn't mean to say that. 
We all realize, we understand. Why did I act that way? Why did I treat them that way? We, we have that sin nature in our life that compels us to do things that we know we shouldn't do and say things that we know we shouldn't say and respond in ways that we know we shouldn't respond. So man became a slave to his sin nature. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 describes the aftermath of the fall of man when it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. No one does good, not a single one. So sin, wickedness, and death entered the world. When sin came into the world, sin defiled man, it perverted his judgments, it cut him off from God's spirit because God removed Adam and Eve out of the garden at that point. <clears throat> so we're going to get more into the consequences in, of sin in our next session. I'm not going to go into that in this session, um, but I do want to define what sin is because a lot of people get confused over what sin is, especially younger people, uh, not young not like age-wise, but like young in the Lord, young, young in the Spirit. They get confused. So what is sin? Because I've heard a lot of people tell me what sin is. Sin is sex outside of marriage. Sin is doing illegal drugs. Uh, sin is wild parties and wild living. Uh, sin is, you know, dipping tobacco, whatever. All these different sins. Stealing, murder, that's sin. That's not sin. That's what we call sins, plural. Individual infractions against God's law. And we all commit sins. Amen? We don't like, to, we don't like it, but we do. I'm talking about sin in the sense of original sin, or what people may call ancestral sin. It's, it's, it's kind of interchangeable. Original sin or ancestral sin. That's the Christian view of the nature of sin which has existed with humanity since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now I've had people argue with me and I, I want to kind of open up this topic just a little bit. I'm, I'm going to open up a can of worms but not a big one, just like a, a small one. Just because we don't, you know, we don't have time to get into all this. But I've had people argue with me. Why am I accountable for Adam and Eve's sin? Adam and Eve were the ones that sinned. I didn't do anything wrong. Makes sense. And I used to think that when I was younger, because I thought about stuff like this. I'd sit around and, you know, when we were smoking pot and drinking beer, we'd talk about some of this stuff. It was really kind of funny that we did, but we did. Now, that's not... A.D., that's B.C., okay? Y'all, Pastor Paul smoking pot? No, that was a long, long time ago, way in the rearview mirror, okay? But I've heard people say that to me. I didn't do it. Why am I held accountable? Well, my first answer to them is, if you had been there, you would have done it. That's my first answer. And they'll say, well, that's not fair. You don't know whether I would have done it or not. Trust me, you would have done it. And the reason I know that you would have done it, because you've done it. You've done it more than once. If you've been alive a year, you've done it. I mean, we're born with it, okay? I mean, it's just, ugh. But Adam and Eve, they did it. But here, but here is a better argument for that. <clears throat> we all understand football teams. We all understand basketball teams, right? Football season's going on right now. My Cowboys, I hope they do well. But here's the thing, if one player on the team commits a foul, 
the whole team is penalized. If you play basketball and the basket one player on the team, the basketball team doesn't go. That's not fair. We didn't commit the foul. He did. Well, it doesn't matter because why? You're on the team, right? We, another example would be like our embassies that are in other countries, and we have ambassadors that go and represent us. One person in our embassy in another country represents the United States of America. So if he messes up, we all mess up. That's the way it works. So you have to understand, we're all on Adam's team. So when Adam and Eve sinned, our, our mother and father who ultimately that ancestral sin, our spiritual mother and father, that death was passed to us, we all sin. Now, here's the good news. We're now all on Christ's team. And so the opposite is true. Just like because when one person messed up, we all held, bear the consequences of that. And because of what Christ did and his righteous deed, we all bear the results of that. Romans 5, chapter 18 and 19 says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Psalms 51 verse 5 says that we all come into the world as sinners. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. See, the humanists will say that we're all born good. People have a good nature. People are good, inherently good. The Bible says people are inherently evil. See, what the humanists say is you don't need God, you need training. Because society and culture is what has corrupted you. See, the reason that people are bad, they're born poor. And if we give them more money, it will help them be good. See, they just don't understand. See, that's why we have such problems up in the government right now, is because we have two different paradigms of seeing life. We have one paradigm that says we're just a product of evolution, and then we have another paradigm that says that we have a creator. And boy, I'm telling you, those are two polar opposite things that produce all kinds of different conclusions in our life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 declares that all people who are not in Christ are sons of disobedience. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians 2 verse 3 also establishes this, stating that we are all by nature children of wrath. And if we are all by nature children of wrath, it can only be because we are all by nature sinners. For God does not direct His wrath toward those who are not guilty. God didn't create the human race sinful, but upright. But we fell into sin and became sinful because of Adam's sin. See, that's what we call the first Adam who failed his mission that God gave him. And so God sent Jesus, the second Adam, and he accomplished the mission that God gave him. So one of the first consequences of their sin was that they became embarrassed and they no longer focused their attention on God, but they focused their attention on themselves. Did y'all notice that? Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what did it say? God said, where y'all at? 
And they're like, shh, be quiet, there's God. Because where are y'all? What are y'all doing over hiding? Come out of here, what are you doing? And they're like, got, you know, fig leaves on. Eve's got a fig leaf bra and fig leaf panties, and Adam's got a little fig leaf boxers on. And they walk out, and God's like, what in the Sam Hill is going on here? And they were like, well, we were naked and ashamed. And, well, who told you that? You didn't eat from that tree I told you not to, did you? And so we see this. They were naked. They covered themselves. They're no longer focused on God, but they're, they're self-centered. See that? Self-centered. Not God-centered anymore. Their soul was no longer in communion with God. Their bodily appetites took charge, and they became ashamed because their lack of clothing, the Bible says. And they began that, that passionate, earthly pursuit that we all fight against. Isn't that crazy? It's just like this was written yesterday. And this happened thousands of years ago. Now, mankind still had the image of God, but it was now tarnished. It's dimmed. Their bodies became subject to sickness and corruption and death. We were never designed for any of those things. God never created our human bodies to experience any of those things. That's why it's so difficult for us when we do experience those things. Because they were never designed in the first place. Have you ever just had that feeling when somebody gets sick really bad, or somebody dies, you just say in your mind, that's not fair. It's not supposed to happen that way. Well, that's because we all know that it's not supposed to happen that way. Because it's put within us. Eternity's in our hearts. God placed it there. So mankind still had this image of God, but now it was tarnished and dim. In the garden, with the tree of life, it was no longer accessible to them. They were removed from that. And this is the status that we all inherit from Adam and Eve, church. This is what we call ancestral sin. We don't obtain the blame for the bad choice that Adam and Eve made, but we all inherit the consequences of sinfulness. We all inherit the consequences of sinfulness, just like a team inherits the consequences of a foul in the game. So the change of nature is something that Adam and Eve underwent. As I close, we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. We've all acquired the sinful nature that resulted from the fall. And that is why we all rejoice because of Christ. See, because of Jesus, we who were sentenced the penalty of death, the day that you eat up, you will what? Die. We were all sentenced the penalty of death, but Jesus said, I'm going to take that penalty of death on your behalf, and I'm going to transfer a life for a life, my life, my innocent life, for your life, corrupt life. So one man, Jesus, turned it all around for all of us. You know, we're studying. This is what we're doing on, in our midweek service, and I want to encourage you to work hard to be a student of the Word, to understand the Bible. I think it's so important for all of us, especially in our day and time when so many people don't understand the Bible. And the reason they don't understand the Bible is because they don't read the Bible. They don't study the Bible. And that is why, church, we have Bible study. 
in our midweek service because we think that it's so important. Hey, listen, I'm all for having a piece of cake on Sunday morning. I love it. But you got to have some broccoli and you got to have some green beans and you got to have some meat and potatoes in your life to, if you're going to be healthy. And that's what we're doing as we're in this study. Our midweek services are geared to train us in righteousness and to teach us the knowledge of the truth. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me tonight. Let's give God a hand clap in this place. Come on, don't patty cake. Let's give him a hand clap. He, he's worthy. He's worthy. Father, we thank you tonight. We give you honor. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.